Thank you for downloading this episode of Software Gone Wild, a podcast focused on everything software defined. To get more episodes and explore other SDN and network automation resources, visit sdn.ipspace.net. Welcome to another routing episode of Software Gone Wild. As you might remember, we did an episode on Rift and we did an episode on Open Fabric. And then I got this email from Dinesh Dutt from Cumulus Networks fame. And previously he's been working at Cisco and who knows who, where else saying, well, what's wrong with BGP? And I said, well, nothing's wrong with BGP. And he said, well, why do we need a routing protocol that? And we agreed that maybe we should have a short conversation about that on a podcast. Everyone else dropped out in the last minute with all sorts of, I've been on vacation or I'm in emergency council excuses. I guess they just didn't want to discuss BGP. So there's just two of us. Hi, Dinesh. Hi, Ivan. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. Just got back from a vacation myself, so. And I'm going on vacation in a few days, so yeah, it's vacation time. So it will be just the grumpy two layer three engineers sitting in their ivory towers, talking, you know, over the tin cans and stretched wire. Yes, and a virtual beer, I guess. Yes, exactly. Because for me to start drinking a little early in the morning... <laughs> You sent me that email saying, well, what's wrong with BGP? So why do you think BGP is the answer to all questions? So I'd like to preface by saying like, you know, I want to paraphrase my question slightly differently, which is I see that SDN's hype has been replaced by two things, intent-based networking and uh, this desire, seeming desire to either invent a new routing protocol or bash BGP. I would like to say I don't have a horse in the race, even though I might uh, say BGP is a good enough answer. But what I want to really talk about is what problem are we trying to solve for which we need a new routing protocol? If we agree on that and we can see common ground in the problem definition, then we can even maybe disagree a little bit on the answer. Because I've been talking to a whole bunch of people when I joined Cumulus way back in 2012, one of the first things that JR told me was, Dinesh, we have to invent a new routing protocol. And I asked him why. Never got a good answer. So I never wasted my time trying to come up with an answer. I can give you the answer. Marketing needs it. Yes, but JR is not a marketing guy. I know. He's a technical guy who I respect highly. So I was a little surprised. I know he was wearing the CEO I had then. But still, JR is JR. I didn't expect him to come up with a requirement that didn't kind of resonate with me. And so I never wasted any time. And over the time from 2012, I have taken several stabs at talking to various people, asking them, you know, is there a need for a new routing protocol? And the answer has always been, hmm, maybe, depends on the problem. Yes. And here is why. And I have never been able to put my finger on a good solid reason why you need a routing protocol, a new routing protocol, very precisely. We have link state protocols, ISIS, OSPF, and we have BGP. You can fight over which one of them is better or worse. I don't believe in that fight. You know, if you are happy with ISIS, you are happy with OSPF v3, I'm okay. You don't 
have any, I have no disagreements with you. I'm, you know, peace be with you. If you are happy with BGP, peace be with you. I haven't yet been able to understand a good reason why we need a new routing protocol. And let me be very precise, a new routing protocol in the modern data center. And my definition of the modern data center is a class topology, which seems to be pretty much what everybody I see from any scale to any scale doing. There are people who have talked every now and then about dragonfly networks or dragonfly topology and a couple of other topologies, a toroid topology, a three-dimensional topology, but I've never seen that go anywhere. So rather than spend a lot of time talking about hypotheticals, I'll stick with the pragmatic and here and now in some sense and say that the modern data center is essentially the class topology. Two-tier, two three-tier, N-tier, doesn't matter. Okay. So scoping the problem, and I've been doing this for the third time now, so everyone else is sick and tired of me. <laughs> we have leaf and spine topology, which can be two-tier or three-tier. You call it super spine or you call it leaf and spine with access, doesn't matter. Yep. We know what approximately we are talking about. More or less, everyone agrees that summarization is a bad idea. With BGP, with OSPF, you can use summarization, but you'll just get bad behavior. Exactly. It's a bad idea. You need interspine links. The moment you start summarizing, it's lossy compression. It's not. With OSPF, you actually can get away without requiring any intermediate links between the spines. But what you will get is inefficient traffic flows, right, which leads to more congestion because traffic will go up and down. No, no. If you do proper summarization, you actually get into black holes. Uh, not really. Not with OSPF, I think. Oh, no, no. If you have area boundary on the spines, let's say, and you have super spines then. Yeah. Well, either you don't summarize because all the leaves are in the same area and then you don't summarize. So why are you doing that? And if you have multiple pods and leaves in different areas, then theoretically, one of the spines could lose the link to the super spine, but it would still attract traffic and it can't send the traffic back to the leaf area because it could just bounce back. It can. Well, it can, but it could just bounce back to the same one. No, it won't because, oh, because you're saying because that guy will think that it's got a path up. Yeah. And so he just bounces to the same guy. Sure, sure. Yes, I agree with you. That in general, it's a bad idea. So summarization, maybe not. Summarization, maybe not. And also the important point to remember is in the data center, we've got people who typically either have singly attached hosts with bridging or a subnet local rack. So the amount of addresses floating around in a data center is fairly small. As more and more enterprises have started getting into the data center space and absorbing a class topology, their number of routes have increased, so to speak. But so have the standard merchant silicon vendors now. So exchanging 100,000, 150,000 routes, nobody really cares about anymore. Well, you see, that's where different people have wildly divergent opinions. I can understand. So to rephrase that, either you're running a layer three network, yeah. which is really hard to do in enterprises because all sorts of layer two tricks. Yep. 
or you are running a network where you have an underlay and then an overlay on top of that. Yeah. And in the underlay, yes, you have a small number of prefixes and underlay is not an issue. Yeah. For the overlay, you need something that can, so I'm told, carry hundreds of thousands of prefixes. And there is only one thing that we are aware of at the moment that can do that. Well, apart from SDN, which can do everything, but let's not go there. <laughs> yes, of course. So for the overlay, we need BGP no matter what. And I don't think there's anyone out there saying, no, you don't. Okay. And for the underlay, there is this small data center space with like maybe 100 switches. And opinions vary, whether it's 100 or 500, doesn't matter, where everyone more or less says, well, use whatever you wish. Please go away. Exactly. And I can tell you that I know practical examples where a very large network operator, and when I mean large, I mean they're really large. They are running 96 leaves and 48 spines with OSPF v2. Of course. So this is not even a theoretical discussion. People are doing it. So everyone more or less agrees, up to a few hundred switches. Yep. The fun starts, let's say, at a thousand switches. Yep. And there the question is, oh, and let's also say that people who run a thousand switches are maybe smart enough to use overlay networking in hypervisors so the network fabric doesn't see it. Yeah. And hopefully they have some sort of orchestration system so they don't need BGP for the key value store. You're absolutely right. They all do. So either you are small and you use OSPF or ISIS or EIGRP or RIP or BGP for your underlay and you use BGP for your overlay because nothing else would work. Or you are big and then you don't even see the overlay if you're a networking person. Yep. And all you have to do is you have to carry a few prefixes per switch yep. for 1,000 plus switches. Yep, you got it. So I'm guessing that all these new routing protocols might be useful in that environment only. Let's say 1,000 plus switches and overlay is somewhere else. It's hidden. And my question is at that point, what's wrong with either link state or BGP? Well, what I was told by Tony P when we were discussing Grift is that link state in densely meshed fabrics has flooding challenges. And I think in general, everybody will agree with that. But I think what people, when people think about a thousand plus switches, anybody who's running a network with thousand plus switches is not running that as a single leaf spine layer where all thousand switches are participating in a single area you have multiple areas or if you're using isis levels multiple levels that is universal anybody outside of vendor kool-aid who says i have got a 512 spine chassis therefore you should run a single two-tier network with 512 leaves is asking for trouble. Routing protocol is like in the noise when they run networks like that. So you want to invent a new routing protocol, go knock yourself out. It's meaningless in that network because your failure domain is so large that it's not a proper network at all. So people who are building thousand plus switches always have broken up their networks into 
multiple pods and inside a pod you're back to hundreds of switches or a hundred switches let's just talk for the sake of discussion a hundred switches just for the sake of discussion okay what problem again so what you're saying is split your a million server data center into pods of what would that be 5000 servers yeah which would be 100 switches because you don't want to lose all million servers anyway exactly and then between the pods you build some sort of super spine and you really don't want to run the same routing protocol or at least you don't want to flood exactly. from leaf to spine to super spine and back i have seen networks very large networks larger than 1000 plus switches which have followed exactly the same design have used a link state protocol and are pretty happy they have no problems they have no flooding problems they have a few different things that they care about and we'll talk about that separately but in general anybody who says oh at 1000 plus switches link state protocols don't scale i've forgotten a fundamental factor of network design in my mind or at least as i have seen networks being built by these 1000 plus switch operators they always break it into pods and the pods in a single area or a single level do not have the problem again of link state flooding that everybody talks about yeah because you have one area on tier 1 and 2 and another area tier 2 to 3 yep i can see that working quite nicely with isis for two reasons in ISIS, every inter-area route is not a separate LSA, and uh, I don't have to reflood everything I've ever heard about every 30 minutes because someone thought that hard-coding 30 minutes in an RFC is a good idea. So, for the sake of discussion, or rather for keeping it theoretical, I agree with you that ISIS does it. OSPF has something called DC. I think it's called Demand Circuit RFC. And I know people who have implemented exactly that. And I'm not talking about theoretical. They have actually implemented that and they have no flooding every 30 minutes. Now, if you're running, a, let's, there are other problems, right? Like, for example, if you're running OSPF, V2 or V3, are you running both, etc. So I'll kind of leave that aside for one second. Let's just focus on link state and talk about link state problems, problems. I mean, it may be just me. But I had to teach an OSPF course 20 years ago. Well, I designed it, so, you know, I was punished for that. <laughs> no good deed goes unpunished. Yes. When the gods want to punish you, they grant you your wish. Yeah. And I remember DC being this clutch that I wanted to stay away from. So is it just me or... That's why I said for the sake of discussion, let's assume, forget OSPF for a second, and let's just say ISIS. That's good enough for me. It's a link state protocol. It's here. People know about it. It's not a new protocol. It has some maturity. It has staying power. It, from everything I know, I don't know ISIS as well as I know BGP or maybe OSPF, but from everything I know about ISIS, it's a much better designed protocol. And so, yeah, I don't see why ISIS alone is not good enough in that particular situation that you're talking about. Whichever way you want to go, you're saying that link state is not as bad. Yep, because people design link state properly. 
design their networks properly, which have nothing to do with link state issues. They design it properly for other issues such as failure domain, and they want to make sure that one failure, like a flooding bug, doesn't take down their entire network. So what would you do then? ISIS or OSPF inside the pod and BGB between pods? I have seen both examples. I have seen ISIS. I have seen actually very precisely OSPF within a pod and BGP across pods. And I have also seen uh, BGP entirely. And I have seen two tier, that is essentially three tiers, three tier class networks with OSPF completely. So they have area one between the leaf and the uh, spine and area zero or the backbone area between the spine and the superspine. And all that you say works in sufficiently large environments. Yes. And this is not theory. So remind me, what problem are we trying to solve? I don't know. This is what I keep getting into every single time I hear people talk. So let's kind of agree on, so instead of kind of trying to knock down other people's ideas or their efforts, I'd say at least from a problem definition, I concluded, and I think what we, what I'm hearing you say is you agree, Ivan, or you already had the same conclusion yourself, is that link state protocol works pretty well in a two-tier or a three-tier class network, even a larger class network. We'll talk about a larger class in one second. But in a two-tier or a three-tier class network, pretty effectively, if you want to use link state. BGP works even nicely, so I'm not even going to discuss about that part. I think everybody agrees BGP works pretty well. But let's talk about just link state. It works pretty well. Now. Expanding that a little further, the people who are building phenomenally large networks have more than two tiers. That is, they have, it's not a three-tier class, they have a four-tier class. And I know of networks that were four-tier class in 2012. So these guys have probably gone way beyond that now. And I heard a rumor that a long time ago when Google began building their networks, and since Merchant Silicon was only a very small number of ports, they actually had an eight-tier class. Let's assume that we have more than three-tier class, that is leaf, spine, and superspine. You have more than that. So you have leaf and spine using leaf and spine as a transport. Exactly. And what, when you build up layers like that, one of the problems that any link state protocol has is that today, not sorry, you have to, what you have to do is you have any link state protocol has is you have to break it up into pods. Just the way you broke the lowest layer into pods, you have to break the upper layer also into groups like that. And the difficulty you're going, you have today is if you look at OSPF, a badly designed protocol for all intents and purposes, it's got only area zero and back there. It's got one backbone area and one more area. That's it. You cannot have multiple levels. Same with ISIS. ISIS has multiple levels. From what Tony Lee tells me, there is no multiple layers defined in ISIS in an RFC. So Tony Lee and I were chatting actually uh, before I went on vacation and I was telling him, Tony, why don't we just in write a little informational RFC that says, or a, even a real standard RFC that says, what are the bits that need to be twiddled? And I presume it's just really bits to be twiddled in the TLVs of ISIS to include multi-levels. That is beyond two levels. To me, at that point, you have a link state protocol that scales pretty well at multiple levels. It's not even just a single spine and super spine. 
you might be pretty close to what Frost is doing with Open Fabric. And I think I've seen parts of Open Fabric, and I think that is all there really is. To me, that 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 problem, if someone comes to me and says, Dinesh, the multi-level link state problem hasn't been solved and I would like to solve it, I would say, peace be with you. I have nothing to say there. ISIS doing it that way makes perfect sense to me. I see other people who also come to me, and I don't know who's in this group, but I've heard this, so I have kind of lost track. Of, I have source memory problems. I don't know who's doing what. But I've heard people say things like, oh, but you know, there's a ton of stuff in ISIS that I want to throw away. And I say, okay, you want to throw away, I'm very happy. Don't use it. Yeah, don't use it. Exactly, number one. Number two, people who want to throw things away, they always come back to wanting it a little later. They just don't think they need it now. But, you know, these things didn't come out of nowhere. For example, and it's not even very long, the people who say we want to throw things away are looking at very large networks where, again, we have decided the problem is really not there. But also say, if I go into the enterprise data center, I cannot live by the rule. The th nice thing about OSPF, ISIS, and BGP is that whether you're running a humongous scale network or you're running an enterprise data center, you're running the same protocol. It's ISIS, BGP, OSPF. It's stuff that people know. What you have is two things. You have protocol maturity and you have operational maturity. And I think a lot of people don't understand how important operational maturity is because there are only so many ways to slice the spy. I mean, to go back to an old Max uh, example, when Windows NT was being written, I heard people say, BSD, TCP implementation, piece of crap. Let's go re-implement everything from scratch. And guess what? They just repeated all the mistakes of TCP implementation that BSD people had already done and moved on with. And even better is Donald Nuth, who said that when he looked at his years of programming and went back and looked at his mistakes, he saw that he tended to make the same mistakes over and over again. So I expect us to think that we are all routing protocol experts and we can do better, but we end up repeating the mistakes. We just forgotten them. So where am I going with that? My first point is people who want to design something for the very large scale and ignore everybody else. My take is don't invent a new protocol. Let you solve it, get your operational maturity, and then let's talk. The second part is if you're trying to run the same protocol across, then look at the problems across. Don't just focus on your problems. And a simple example of that is people who want to throw things away with ISIS. Ignore the fact that most enterprises run some form of MLAG to the servers because the servers are dual attached because they cannot stand the loss of a RAC. And all these extensions immediately promptly break down. All these optimizations, enhancements to whatever protocol they're working with just break down in that mode. Whereas the standard ISIS or OSPF works fine. I might take is solve the multi-level problem. Forget trying to clean out stuff. Just don't use it, as you said, Ivan. And then let's come back to, so what's the problem? We have BGP. We have a link state protocol. Both work well. What problem? Tell me how hypothetical this is. Okay. In Rift, we have this on-demand summarization. It's really the virtual aggregation done right, if you remember the days of virtual aggregation. 
No, that was before my time. But I think I know what you're talking about. It's the ability to disaggregate and send only when there really is a need to send out specific routes. Well, uh, that, that, that's how Rift does it. Virtual aggregation is the BGP trick where if you have a default route pointing to next hop, why do you need all the other prefixes pointing to next hop? Sure. So either you optimize RIP to FIB or you optimize what you announce. Yep. That's only worth doing if you have a FIB problem. So do we have a FIB problem? Not to the best of my knowledge and belief. When I was at Cumulus, this is back in the days, we have a customer. And I say we have, uh, Cumulus had a customer, and I think they still do, that customer is still there. Not very large, but they were running their own version of container. This is Medallia. Everybody knows about Medallia because they have publicly talked about this. But they were running their own version of Docker container or model because they were so far ahead of the curve. And they run routing from the host. And when they run routing from the host, the number of prefixes they were announcing in 2012 was like 32,000 because they were, that was the limit of 64,000. That was the limit of the FIP table in Merchant Silicon at that time. I know today of networks which span over 100 racks. And now I'm not talking humongous networks, right? I'm talking about 100, 128 racks, 200 racks running with 100,000 plus prefixes. Was it 100,000? No, close to 100,000. It's not 100,000 plus, 100,000 prefixes without a problem. And they are slash 32s because they have got mobility of VMs or whatever else that they are doing. So they are actually announcing, they have built a pure L3 network and they're announcing slash 32s. No problem. And I know of people asking that the merchant silicon be pushed to its maximum, uh, like 256,000 today that the FIB has. And Trident 3, I believe, is going even farther than that. Broadcom's Trident 3. Mellanox is going farther than that in their next generation. Cavium with its expliant, barefoot. They are all way over that. And Jericho is way over that as well, right? Exactly. Jericho is way over that. Jericho has always been way over that. And so I'm not sure there's a real FIP problem. So yet again, what problem are we trying to solve? I have no idea, which is why I said I would love to hear what problem are we trying to solve. Let me kind of take a different stab at it. Another thing I heard people talk about is like, oh, it would be so fantastic if we can exchange all kinds of information. Take a look at the bastardization that's happening with BGP with this notion of trying to push link state information into BGP as an affy saffy and ship it across. Ah, so let's turn BGP into eventually consistent key value store. Exactly. What's wrong with Redis? Exactly. So let's put that thought, hold that thought for one second. That's the first problem. I see this bastardization that's going on. And, you know, Daniel Walton, the guy who invented AdPath and who was working at Cumulus at the time, I believe he's at Facebook now, another smart dude that he and I were joking almost four years ago that why don't we invent an affy saffy called JSON to BGP and be just done with all this nonsense? Exchange your key value store in BGP if you so care. If you want BGP to be your exchange so bad. But I think taking another step back, if you look at people, the other group of people who want to pass this link state around, or rather why they want to pass link state around many times, is because they think they want to do some form of flow optimization, they want to do some form of traffic engineering, and they want the link state information so they can potentially balance elephant flows and 
mice flows etc etc putting aside the entire discussion of is that even the right problem to solve in the network and how would you go about solving it otherwise because i've heard some decent solutions so let's leave that aside if you look at how bgp is done with bgp unnumbered as an example and you look at a proper class topology a bgp session is your link state the spines talk to all the leads the super spine talk to all the appropriate ones you pull them you get the information you want and you have your link state already what problem again in a data center are you trying to solve that you can't get out of the bgp session you don't want to run another management protocol with the switches you want everything done with bgp <laughs> so if you really want to get link state information you can get it all from lldp and build out your database people have done that before i know of customers who have done exactly that and by the way that's your cabling plan so you better make sure in a class topology you have a proper cabling plan and so they already have that information and in terms of links up and down they get that information anyway and with bgp since the bgp unnumbered gives you exactly an address and interface a bgp session per link you got all the information you want so i'm again not sure what exactly they need extra if all they are saying is i want to talk to multiple peers i want instead a single peer that again is a separate problem i would like to put aside that problem and talk about that along with some of the redis stuff that you talked about as a group of problems that i think come from a very different source and we'll talk about that in one second and then you know i i heard tony p say that in your rift and i've heard other people's comment on this as well the problem of traffic engineering with mice and elephant and all of that stuff is not the stuff for the weak hearted and it's really required when you are really large so again for the most common use cases for the largest common use cases i'm not sure there's really a need to go about trying to solve that problem but if you want to go there you already have that information because each bgp session gives you your link state that is the link because there's a bgp session per link okay the one argument i've heard from someone about bgp ls oh yes and i guess you're not talking about bgp ls but this crazy new stuff that was presented recently no i'm not even talking bgp ls or the crazy new stuff that i believe kur and arcus is talking about and by the way i will join the camp of people who don't like that that's why i believe i said it's a bastardization i've seen one of the new bgp ideas and i honestly can't remember the details but when i was looking at that it was like I'll have what they are having. No, yes. <laughs> exactly. I don't want my customers to have what they're having, but I'll have it. Look. And I don't ever want to debug a network that <laughs> run by people who have what they're having, but yes. Anyway, the argument why we need BGP LS, well, why we could need it as given to me was that you really don't want to have a BGP session from the controller to every router in your network you just establish the bgp session with your route reflector and because bgp ls you will through one bgp session collect all the link state information about the whole network even if you set up a bgp session with every one of the spines and they are the only ones you care about because you know all the if you talk to the spines you know all the leaves they are connected to agree again i'm back to how many sessions this is really your problem While we were chatting, you said like five times, and we'll talk about that in a second. 
in the meantime, I got Stack Overflow. So if you remember what those things were, that would be appreciated. Yes, I will talk. Yeah, I will. I will. The multiple things that were there that I hear people talk about every time is first they say like, oh, I want somehow a faster delivery mechanism. It takes too long for me to get a new thing out because if I go through the standards and I want a new encoding, I have to do AFI, SAFI, I have to do this, I have to do that. It's all very complicated. So I want to do something that's faster using some idea. Doesn't matter what the faster is, some other mechanism. Then the second point that you made, Ivan, is if you want to put a key value store, why don't you just use something like Redis? That's the second part why that answer does not occur to the people who are trying to design key value stores inside BGP or inside OpenR or OpenRift or whatever else you want to call it. Then the next thing is people. Oh, doesn't OpenR use some key value store underneath? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm saying. So they all kind of, I think, are following the same model of trying to have a key value store as part of the routing protocol. No, but I think that OpenR actually used something that was already there. Ah, okay. That, that was my understanding. That's why I said, well, this is really smart. We finally moved to where we can add value. Yeah. So if they're doing that, then I'm okay. I see no problem at all then. Then all you need is the equivalent of a JSON encoding so you can just transport the key values. And so my take in that, so that is the second part. And I think the guys who did OpenR don't suffer from that problem if they used a, uh, if they used a existing key value store. Because they also are, you know, their platform is different because their answer will be the same that I'm trying to come to. And you look at other people who say, oh, you know, I have got policy. I have got, I can't, I want everything stuck inside BGP to pull it out. I cannot pull it out any other way, et cetera, et cetera. All of those come to me from a single source. And the single sources today, none of these platforms are open as a platform. They are all closed platforms. It is not possible for me as a regular operator to be able to say, I'm going to write a little Python agent running on there, which will catch up all the information and ship it over. And you say like, oh, you know, but which network operator will write such a Python because they don't even know how to spell Python. You don't need the network operator to write the Python. If it's an open platform, the ecosystem will evolve to support all that. FRR, for example, is an open, fairly open uh, routing suite. And there are people who are working on that. They are working on Pythonish tools there and getting, uh, having, expecting someone who will add a little Python script to be able to suck out all the LLDP information and ship it to another place is not such a big deal. Well, there are the traditional network operators and then there are the cloud guys. Right. The traditional network operators embracing a new routing protocol is an even bigger leap. So uh, expecting them to do all this for a gain that they are not even aware of what the benefit is, is much harder. Having them say like, just manage everything the way you know, have a Python agent that pushes the information, that the LLDP the information might be much easier. But I agree with your basic statement. As we are discussing data centers, yes, I don't think that any of the cloud providers have a problem with spelling Python. Yep. So no market there, sorry. And I'm amazed to see that some of the more traditional network operators, the ones who think that due to their infinite wisdom, they can compete with Amazon on cloud, they also eventually get that they need programmers. Yes. For things that are specific to them, if you are just running a mom and pop operation, you don't need 
programmers. And also, I think, you like I said again, you only need programmers because you are doing something which nobody else is doing. Today, I hear this argument over and over again from many people. Oh, you know, they want it to be open, and, but I will never be able to do any piece of coding. Linux is open and it has the huge ecosystem and the community around it, not because I can code the Linux kernel. I think I'm a fairly decent programmer and I have a Linux kernel patch, but I can code a Linux kernel patch. It's work. It's a lot of time and effort, but it is not me. When you change the domain of the problem such that others who are interested in similar problems such as yourself can also address it as opposed to just the vendor, then you have a different ecosystem. Take a look at the, you know, for the sake of a really horrible cliche, the app store. Apple is not coming up with every single app. They put in a platform and now it's up to the imagination of whoever wants to write to a platform. So there's a difference between an appliance and a platform. And all of these problems about the speed at which they can come up with a new encoding, the ability to pass additional pieces of information, the ability for them to suck out information that they decide later on is interesting, which they had not decided, the ability to be able to push policy. All of these are problems that come from the model where things are closed and therefore you need drafts and you need agreements. It's almost like a multi-country trade agreement. Instead of simply saying, let's just write the damn code and be done with it. Yeah, this reminds me of someone who wanted to use ODL and open vSwitch on the remote routers. I looked at that and I went like, <laughs> hey guys, first, all these sessions are established the wrong way. <laughs> Second, you don't have any redundancy in ODL because at that time there was none. If you would only convert this into a bit of Python code on the remote router and a web server serving JSON on the central side, you would be done. Exactly. And this is, I think you're hitting this point, Ivan, pretty accurately. That is opening up the platform and making it a platform is different than the way you're looking at. So let's look at the real problem rather than invent a new routing protocol. So you're saying uh, routing protocols are good for one thing, and this is to propagate routing information. Yep. And there are other things that are good for passing messages around. It's called message buses, and there are a zillion of open source ones. Yep. And then there are things that are good at implementing distributed key value store. And yet again, there are five products if you need them. Yep. And let's move on and make the networks work. Yep. And, you know, there will be people who say like, hey, by the way, you guys who complain like that, do you know how much runs over just HTTP? It's not just web. There are tons of things that run over HTTP which have nothing to do with the web. HTTP is now a protocol that is completely carrying stuff that you won't imagine was being carried before. I love that, you know. In the good old days, you remember the seven-layer OSI model? Yes. And then the TCP IP guys came along saying, this is too complex, we'll make it simpler. And they threw out the presentation and the session layer. Yep. Now, guess what you have if you run everything over HTTP? Yep. You just put the two layers back in. Hooray. Exactly. And also my take is, if you feel so strongly about running everything in a single protocol, just 
get ahead do bjp json afi safi and move on put it as a isisclv that can be expanded and move on don't waste your time trying to come up with new routing protocols simply because we can now i've heard people say like oh you know what if i have completely different topologies and completely okay now i begin to start asking myself so where did we begin as a problem definition and now we are continuing because the answers are not working we start adding newer things such as newer topologies and different topologies and my take is still we get a little more operational experience on some of those topologies and their benefits inventing a new routing protocol for mass distribution is not that interesting okay now let's be realistic again how many of those new topologies have you actually seen working in practice mm, my answer is zero can we move on yes please <laughs> i'm happy to move on i was just trying to close the last use case that i saw people ask for and i'm not really like i said again seen any so if people say oh no but you see in research oh but you see i'm like okay so then just knock it all out somewhere else and then come talk rather than talk about it like it's a real problem that needs solving yeah that's it that's pretty much it so the summarization is if you really want to solve a problem do the appropriate encoding in isis to allow for multi level isis flooding problems are not really problems in link state because you have people breaking it up into multiple areas or multiple levels and that solves that problem the second the third part is bgp is pretty good for a whole bunch of stuff the main reason why i like bgp over all of the others in my mind the fewer knobs i have to twiddle the fewer places i have to look it's somewhat simpler for me and since bgp is a routing protocol it's not a key value store distribute looking in one place for understanding all my routing problems is better than trying to look in six places and bgp supports v4 v6 mac so if you're running all of those then you know bgp is a natural shoe in for that if you feel like no 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 i want to run separate ospf separate isis that's fine i have no arguments with you it's an operational issue and it's your operational comfort but again ospf isis bgp existing link state and bgp solve the problem and for all of those who want to do things faster consider making the networking boxes and platform and open those routing suites up and contribute to frr for example to be able to push the boundary of what needs to be done rather than trying to invent a new routing protocol so let's wrap it right there and i'm looking forward to the feedback from people inventing the new routing protocols when we publish this yes <laughs> I'm positive they know how to get in touch with you but for everyone else listening to this how can they get in touch The best way is email I presume and the email is d as in david d as in david p as in paul s as in sam for you ddps for you at gmail.com I have a twitter account linkedin also works so please uh, use any of these to get in touch with me I'm happy to have a discussion I'm happy to be wrong I'm happy to learn but I'm yet to still understand what the problem it is that we are trying to solve Thanks a million Dinesh for this discussion Thank you Ivan always a pleasure chatting with you 
as Dinesh said, I'm Ivan Peplenyak, and you've been listening to Software Gone Wild. For more information about what we do, go to ipspace.net and start exploring. Have fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Software Gone Wild. If you want to learn more about software-defined networking, network automation, and related topics, visit sdn.ipspace.net and explore our courses, books, webinars, and podcasts.